Welcome to this week's episode of Church Unscripted. We're so glad that you're here joining us. Um, this past weekend, we had a little bit of a different service, so we're going to take it uh, a little bit different this week. Um, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our channel, like this video, share it with a friend uh, so we can get the word out and uh, you can be updated on future episodes of Church Unscripted. So I have Pastor John, Pastor Eric with me today, and currently the roof above us is actually being replaced. And so uh, if you do hear some of those weird things, uh, that's what's it, happening. It, is that the impact it's, driver in my ear? Yeah, I thought I had tinnitus yeah. or something. So if you know? we're shouting at you, we're not meaning to, we're just <laughs> yeah. trying to talk to each other over the volume of, of impact drills on the roof. So um, we're thankful for a new roof, though. Hey, we that, needed it. We do. Yeah, yeah. Right. so we... Um, so this past weekend we did we had a VBS and then we had summer blast. Um, I th I thought we could just start by kind of just talking through some of our observations, some of the things we loved to, uh, uh, to experience at VBS, things that we we enjoyed. Eric, what was uh, maybe one of your your favorite things, or maybe something surprising about VBS this weekend? Yeah, so so I remember doing VBS when I was a kid, and uh, VBS was a little bit different back then. I think we met at people's homes, and it was a lot smaller groups. Um, maybe that was something completely different. Uh, it felt like VBS, though. It felt like VBS. It was in the right. summer, That's and right. it happened. <laughs> yeah, right. I remember doing games and crafts and stuff, so apparently it had to be the same thing. Uh, I was a little bit nervous about this, though, um, yeah. because for years, Brookside, uh, during our summer, instead of VBS— we partnered mm -hmm. with another uh, camp ministry mm -hmm. that would come on site and set up an entire experience, and it'd be a week-long yeah. extravaganza, right? And so we, um, as we decided to do something different, do our own VBS, and I was nervous because I thought, okay, th there's a whole lot of work. There's a whole lot of energy that needs to be put in by a whole lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I thought, are we going to have the manpower? Are we going to have the, the energy levels required to really pull off a great VBS experience for our kids. I wasn't sure how many kids were going to sign up or anything like that. I wasn't sure about the quality of the experience. But then as as that train began to pick up speed, you began to see all of those issues resolved. And so one of my favorite things was was to see so many volunteers step yeah. up yeah. And, and give of so much time. I mean, there's a lot of cases where there are people um, who really didn't have a ton to do. Yeah. And oftentimes you don't want volunteers to come and just not have anything to do. But I think it was because so many people showed up yeah. that the, the planning and the work yeah. was taken care of so yeah. quickly. I, yeah, I think and they I said that. we had 104 volunteers and 114 kids. That's almost a one-to-one -one ratio. That Which was incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Now yeah. the good thing, the good thing is that if you didn't have like a lot of work to do as a volunteer, you could spend your time um, either talking to other volunteers, yeah. build those relationships, yeah. which is what I did a lot. Or you could just kind of step in where you saw a need yep. and love on these kids. Yep. And I saw so many volunteers do that. So yeah. um, I would say that's one of my favorite things. Of course, that's secondary to any kid who actually got to know Jesus more yeah. and gave their life to him. And so that's, of course, Absolutely. the entire reason we did it. Yeah. John, what about you? What's something surprising or Surprising or awesome? highlights? Yeah. I, I could say highlights. Uh, I was amazed. Just Sunday was an amazing service. Yeah. I thought that was very different. If you haven't experienced an outdoor service, I think mm -hmm. that was um, one to experience because you got to see kind of what the kids did all week. Yeah, it was great to say Jesus cares for you. Thank so you. So thank you. Yeah, that's yeah, you know, like really loud. I was like, wow, everyone's responding. Yeah. Um, I think I think one of the things that was was so great um, to what you said about volunteers 
is there was people filling so many different roles. It wasn't necessarily just with kids. It was with food or it was with setup or teardown or mm-hmm. decorations or, you know, you go down the list and there's so many different things that people were doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it mobilized us so that we can yeah. continue to do that in different yeah. ways um, for different uh, opportunities to reach our community yeah. and and see, see opportunities with that. Um, and I think Sunday it was parents seeing that their kids learned something. Yeah. I don't know. That was a thing for me is like, everyone's like, man, my, my kids learned something. It was only two nights and we learned yeah, something right. really big. Yeah. I think that was huge. And so, um, yeah, it was exciting. I, I like mm. that. I mean, the bounce house was great, but yeah. you know, I didn't okay. get Eric in the bounce house. Uh, so. no, Next no, no, time we need a dunk tank. My legs like dunk tank. Um, dunk tank. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Tell you what, if you bribe Eric, me enough, I'll get in the dunk tank. Eric, How about that? Yeah. <laughs> your whole job the whole weekend is just dunk tank. Dunk tank? Dunk yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's a hot day. I'll be the most comfortable person at no. the whole event. Last Sunday where yeah. it was rainy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, something else that I really enjoyed is it's a, a going to the volunteer thing again. But there was a, a lot of volunteers who were a little bit too old to be a part of it themselves but they were junior yeah. volunteers. And so my yeah. daughter, who's 13, yeah. yep. um, and so many like junior high volunteers, it was cool to see how they really stepped up and took yeah. an authoritative role. Yeah. Um, and so um, my, I saw my daughter uh, for, for the first time um, show kind of parental kind of skills. And so shepherding these kids, holding kids' hands, sitting down with a kid that's crying. And um, yeah. I, it was really cool to see these junior volunteers step up in big yeah. ways and have a leadership opportunity that they can really yeah. learn from. I love that. That's I awesome. loved, I yeah. love seeing the kids lead worship to yeah. their peers and to younger kids. And, um, that was cool. I loved uh, one of our focuses this year is relational connectedness Yeah, and kind of what you mentioned. Like I loved seeing all the volunteers that maybe didn't have a huge role, but they were connecting with other people in ways that they probably never would have. Mm-hmm. I just, I thought the whole weekend was great. Yeah, I, lo- I, agree. I loved it. I agree. We haven't even gotten a summer blast from, from Sunday. So yeah. that's, that's a whole experience in and of itself, which was incredible. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have a question. So one of the things I liked about VBS yeah. um, was that every activity, every craft that there was, there was a way to connect it to some spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. So I was a part of the games. And so we did some really kind of simple, silly games uh, one of them was you had to you had to take a bucket of water and with these little tiny cups you had to transfer it to another bucket of water. The fun part of it was that half the water is lost on the way there, right? So um, these kids are running and they're losing the water. Uh, but the but the spiritual idea that came from that is 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 the way that you were in a sense filling up the the bowl for your pet so that your pet could have clean drinking water, right? That's the same thing that our God does to us. He loves to provide us mm. the spiritual nourishment and the things that we need for our livelihood. Yeah. And so it was a really cool opportunity to take a very simple, mm. funny game and give it a spiritual reality. So here's my question. So how do we- He's looking parents- at me. Do you see this? He's like, I want to drill Let John me- because John always drills me. Exactly. Yeah. He's payback right yeah, now. Yeah, this okay. is. Yeah. That's right. I got so you. I'm going to ask him because he'll probably have a better answer and then you can respond. Whoa. So, there you go. Okay. Gloves you go. are on the ground. On the what? <laughs> that's, that's where you start a duel. That. You start a duel. I don't know I, that. You throw your no, gloves on the ground. No, okay. No. no. A duel. I got my gloves no, on. He totally messed no, it up. I messed that, that up. Cool. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That's, okay, let's keep going. That's All right, what's saying. the question? What's the question? Let's see. <laughs> okay, back on track now. <laughs> um, so here's the question. How do we as parents uh, take just kind of daily, even fun, silly activities that we might do in our home, and we don't have to spiritualize everything, right? Yeah. That can get weird really quick. Yeah. But how do we take like a bike ride or how do we take a family game night yeah. and kind of bring some kind of a spiritual emphasis mm. to it? I, always, I think 
it, it, I noticed with the kids even this weekend at VBS, there's not a lot of really uh, instruction. It's a lot of questions. And so I've found like with my kids, the, the easiest way to take a spiritual turn is just to start asking questions. Like, how do you think the sun got there? Like, how do you think it, how do you think the sky is this color? Or, you know, and it starts to make them think and like, oh, like God made that. Like he made it this way. And I think simple ways, just asking questions and being like kind of a child in, in our own way of like, sometimes I wonder why is this guy so pretty or why, why is it this way or that way? I think questions is a huge way that we can just kind of bring that spiritual without making it like, you know, super weird. Um, I think sometimes, you know, we can force that spiritual um, conversation, but just by asking questions, I think if we're, if we're diligent in discipling our kids, they will naturally take things spiritual if you ask the right questions. You know, I, I really am glad that you pointed out because I think, I think mm-hmm. we get scared of discipling our kids because we think it's some formalized study mm-hmm. we've got to do with them. But in reality, the most, the most opportune times are when you're surprised by them. Yeah. You yeah. say, okay, I can see how this can be turned into a conversation. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have yeah. to be an hour conversation. Maybe it's just a simple question. You know, what do you think Jesus thinks about that? You know, how would you think Jesus would respond? And I think those are very good opportunities. Here's, here's another question for you guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ask, I, I got some thoughts on this too. Should we give them the opportunity? Or? Up me. I know, I got uh-huh. some thoughts. Okay. Good I, luck. I have a phrase I thought of. we're going to throw the gloves on the ground again or whatever it is I, that you said. Uh, gloves yeah. on the, yeah, I don't know what I was okay. doing. Okay. I was, threat, I was threatening a duel. We have to okay. take three steps each direction or whatever. Yeah, I don't you know. totally missed That's it. Not, I don't Dude, know. you're mixing all kinds of the gloves metaphors. This is the problem <laughs> of having summer blast this weekend. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. um, every moment is a teachable moment. That's yeah. the thing. Like when you were saying that, I was thinking, and Eric, as you were talking, I kept thinking every moment's a teachable moment. Mm. The moment we veer off that is when we're not discipling our kids. Mm. And so- those moments that you think aren't teachable moments, like, honestly, why, why are you feeling the way you're feeling? Asking the why question. And our kids can answer. They're concrete. Like, I can ask my three-year-old, why are you feeling the way you're feeling? My foot hurts! Okay, so let's, let's talk about that. If you can do that with a three-year-old, you can do that with anybody. So discipleship always is essentially digging into what's going on in that person's heart and soul and their, their emotions, their feelings, their, their thoughts. Um, what are you thinking? Like, don't say, what are you thinking? You know, as a parent, <laughs> what are you thinking? You know, when a parent's yeah, yeah, mad, yeah. it's like, no, what, what are you actually thinking about this? And you'd be surprised. I think my nine-year-old is super insightful and she'll say stuff and I go, wow, I never thought of that. That's interesting. And maybe we should talk more about it. David, I think you're onto something. He had a second question, and I think it's off of that, but it's questions is actually being curious with your kids mm. creates more curiosity in them and allows them to be able to see the world through essentially a worldview of, of seeing what God's doing in their worldview. So, yeah, no, that's absolutely right. So, I think what that does is it leads to another question because as soon as you, you create this culture of curiosity in your kids, mm-hmm. they start to ask some really hard questions. And it's not these simple questions yeah. of, of, you know, how did God create the world? Well, that's not a simple question, but. How did God I, create the I world? Out of Genesis. nothing. Yeah, Ex right. nihilio. Yeah, don't use that word with your kids. <laughs> uh, like, what? Dad, you're weird. Uh, so, but like, for example, so my, my youngest daughter, Evelyn, so she's seven. Yeah. And she just started to ask these really hard questions. For example, she said, 
Hey, Dad, you know how in the Bible it says that, that Satan was cast out of heaven mm. because he sinned in heaven? Um, I was like, yeah, I know that story. And I could even regurgitate the whole thing to her. And, and then she asked the question, um, was there sin in heaven? And I thought, whoa, how do I answer this question? Because if Satan sinned because he got arrogant and proud mm. and tried to take the throne from God himself, where did that initial desire for a coup come from? Like, was there some kind of like a broken spirit in him? And where did that broken spirit come from? So if sin never existed before Satan actually sinned, then where did the inclination to sin come from? And I'm like, holy cow. So how do we take these- Wait, wait, really how old is she? Seven. Yep, yep. Yeah, so how do we take these really <laughs> so complex like questions that our kids are asking us and not necessarily dumb it down, but to explain complex theological truths to our kids in a way that they can actually understand it without them thinking, all right, dad has no idea of how to talk to me. So um, how do we do that? I, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the entry phase of this. My, my oldest is six. So okay. we, we've had some conversations, but I think, uh, so I won't speak like an expert, but f- from what I've found, um, the best way for me to address some of those questions is just to say, if I don't really have an answer is to be honest and say, I don't really know. I've not thought about that. And let's figure it out together or let's talk about this or I can ask somebody who knows. Um, I think we do more damage when we when we when we try to act like we know the answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that that's my entry level advice. I, I don't think that's entry level because I literally was going to say the same thing about I don't know because I think sometimes we are trying to give answers to our children and then when they leave our home, mm-hmm. they've only been given the answers that we have and then when they encounter other answers, they haven't discovered it themselves. Yeah. And so like as long as we're in the discovery process hmm. of discovering Jesus together, I think that's where those questions can be answered well um, and we can lead them closer and closer to Jesus in that way. So it's not always, you, you know, like it, it, people joke about a Sunday school answer. Like the every answer to every question is Jesus Christ, right? right? Jesus, right. Jesus, 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 God, God, Jesus. And I think in some ways we need to deal with the tension of, hmm. I don't know how you answer that question, but I don't necessarily think you can definitively answer that question. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's okay. And there's tension there, but there's a reason there's tension there. Because it requires faith. And that's why I tell my kids. I'm like, sometimes I'm not going to be able to answer your questions for you. You know, your dad is limited, but I know a God that's infinite and I trust him. Mm. And so I think that's, you're essentially sharing the gospel with your kids when you're kind of admitting that maybe you don't have it all figured out, mm-hmm. I think. And well, I, think I was proud of that. her. She's actually asking these kind of questions. Well, yeah, yeah. I would I thought, be too. Oh man, how do I respond to this yeah. though? And that leads me to another question. So- <laughs> Um, I'm not trying to steal the host no, job hey, from you. No, I love it. I, I actually so, like this. This yeah. is kind of fun. <laughs> All right. So I think there's a difference between sheltering our kids um, and then protecting them. So, mm-hmm. so protecting our kids is I want to make sure that they're not exposed to um, the trash of this world so that they can maintain purity in their life. That's why we're going to put protections on and boundaries, limitations on what they can watch on TV sites they can visit online. We're not going to give our kids a cell phone, especially a smartphone until we actually think they can be trustworthy with it. And then they've got all kinds of options like the Gab phone that protects from social media opportunities. I want to protect my kids from um, having too much 
um, internet or web or TV access. So there's mm-hmm. no TV in the room, no computer in the room. Um, and even that, we want to protect them from certain environments and people that, that could harm them and potentially corrupt them. So we want to protect them. I th- however, I think there can be cases where you can, in a sense, overprotect mm-hmm. and get into the realm of sheltering your kids so that when they actually grow up and get out on their own, they're not prepared to handle the corruption and the evil that they're going to be exposed mm-hmm. to. And therefore, they're not, pr- they're not able to handle it well. So they, they're more likely to be burned by it um, than triumph over it. So I know you know the difference. I know you know what I'm talking about. So, so how do we protect our kids while not sheltering them at the same time? Well, I, I think there's definitely a balance. Um, what I've seen is kids that spend their whole life in a Christian home and they go away to college. And that first semester, <laughs> they just like lose it morally. And because they, they don't even know how to stand up against what the other side is. They don't know that. And I think in some ways, if parents are, to, to use your two words, there's protection or, or sheltering. If you're sheltering, you're not actually telling your kids what the other side of the story is. Like, what's the consequence of this? You just don't do it. Hmm. It's a, it's a, listen to mom and dad, don't do this. Mm. And over here, when you're protecting, you're saying, we're protecting you from, and you kind of give a description of what you're protecting them from. I'm not saying you're, you're going into the, use the word trash, getting into the trash. It's just like, there's trash here. And that's why we have this boundary. And this is why, and you need to trust us, but you also are explaining it's, it's apologetics. I mean, is what it is. I went, I went from a very sheltered homeschool environment as a kid to a state college in California. Oh, yeah. It was and like... They're not the same? No! no, no. <laughs> it was crazy, in right? state college in California. In California, I say that, and people here are like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> and, and, but the thing is, my parents prepared me to critically think, and I think the difference between sheltering and protecting goes back to critical thinking. It's like, what are you going to do in this situation? My parents would coach me on how to respond to someone that wants me to drink or how to respond to someone that's like cussing all the time or swearing all the time. They had they had ways of me dealing with those. Did I always follow it? No, I was a teenager. But the reality was I knew the other side. I knew what was on the other side. So I didn't want it. Yeah. I had no desire to, to like do things that my friends were doing because I didn't want to be a part of that. Like, because I was making a choice though. They didn't make the choice for me. And that's the, that's the difference is we have to get to the point where we slowly give away that choice making and we're still protecting. You know what I'm saying? Like, like getting the phone without the social media, that's fine. But at some point, when is that point that you're going to choose and say, you're responsible enough for this, but you know that you can always talk to us about anything that happens. And so really providing that openness, I think is the huge difference. I remember families that, uh, sheltered their kids so much that I don't think they ever were around people without the parents around. So it was like one of those things where it's like, do they have any friends? Do they ever do anything? They're always at home. And I think in some ways that's good. You want to protect your family, but also like having experiences is important. Missions trips, things like that. Where you are able to see the bigger picture of the world mm-hmm. and rather n- know what's going on around you so that you are not contributing or being a part of that? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's... It's a difficult thing to, I think, find the, find the, the balance between those things mm-hmm. because one of the things I'm afraid of, and I shouldn't be afraid of this because I'm trusting God for my kids <laughs> more than I'm trusting myself for my kids, yeah. right? But it's, I'm afraid that they would go to 
even even in some cases now a liberal arts Christian college mm-hmm. and be exposed to experiences or ideas or perspectives that we've tried to protect them from. And they're like, well, I've never thought of it this way. And then all of a sudden, oh, I'm no longer the primary influence in her life. It's her peers. It's the university itself. And, I'm a, and I've heard too many horror stories of kids going away, like you said. Yeah, yeah. And so what I'm trying to do is take the limited time that we have right now to, to prepare our kids to think critically yeah. so they can make the wise, biblically-based, Jesus-centered kind of decision. The other thought that I have is this, is whenever our kids do mess up, and your kids are six, so they've never messed up yet, right? Yeah, never. All younger than six. <laughs> when our kids come home as a teenager and say, I really messed up, and, and I let my boyfriend or I let my girlfriend do things that, that they shouldn't have done, and I've made a poor decision, I can never walk back. Uh, or it's, I've, I did something, I got in trouble with the law. So how do we as parents, because at that point, it's not a matter about sheltering or protecting yeah. them. It's about how do we receive them? And so how do we as parents um, show the love of Jesus to our kids while not condoning bad behavior, but at the same time, giving them a safe place to recover and be restored in a sense? And initially, I, I go back to the protecting and sheltering conversation. I feel like protecting is very much conversational and sheltering is just like you don't, you just don't. It's authoritative. It's authoritative, yeah. And so I think if we are, if we are raising our kids in a protective household where they feel safe to bring anything to us or we may even expose them to things that may be a little bit different than how we view but we explain the consequences or whatever that is i think by the time they and granted i don't have teenagers so we'll find out but uh by the time they get to that space they'll they'll feel safe enough to come to us and say i know that i can tell my dad this and i know he'll still love me and I know that he's going to tell me that it was wrong or whatever, but he's still going to love me. And he's going to, he's going to have a conversation with me to help point me in the right direction. And I feel like that's where it starts is in, in the younger years of just being that protective force, uh, a refuge for our kids in a way where it's like, hey, you can come to me anytime and we will talk about it. I'll never, uh, I'll never look down on you. I'll never, um, you know act out against you, but like, I want to help guide you yeah. this way. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think even along those lines, it, it comes down to the story of the prodigal son. When you said that, like, how do we receive them and protect them, but not the story of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son comes back, he's repentant. Mm-hmm. And so the father embraces him. You know, if your child is coming to you, I know you're going to tell me what I did was wrong. And you just go, but I love you, mm. you're receiving them in a way that they won't get received anywhere else. I mean, I look at, I look at my life. There was a period of three to four years where my relationship with my parents was tenuous is the word I would use. Mm. And out of that, it went from, I'm not going to talk to my parents about this because I don't really want them to get involved to I'm going to call them because they've got wisdom. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's that some of that is a maturing process, but what we're finding in our culture is kids never get back to that. Mm. I think, I think if you talk about rebellion and teenagers, you're going to think of there's periods where they don't want to talk to you. Right. I mean, let's be honest, but there's got to be that point where they do. Mm. And so for example, I mean, in my wife's life, it's the opposite. She would say, I always talk to my parents. I never had that point. And so that's what our goal for our kids is 
that they would be able to be received no matter what. But you just mentioned something, two things. You mentioned a situation where it's like, okay, the law's involved or this or that's like, it's, it's a little bit heavier. And I think the only way that we enable in those situations is we continue to help when there's no repentance and there's a lack of respect between people whether it's respect between family members or whatever. I mean, I think of situations I, I've known in the past where, you know, someone's been convicted of something 10 plus times. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's like, I'm not going to bail you out. It's just not that's, not, that's not reasonable. You're not learning anything. And so when we get past the point of like being able to have influence and our only influence is say money or shelter, then that's a problem. And so, I, I mean, that's a bigger discussion. There's, yeah. there's all kinds of different, but, but you, when you were talking about that, I thought of enabling. I mean, like we don't want to enable, we, we don't want to enable people to sin, but we also want to love them and embrace them, especially yeah. our family, especially yeah. our kids. So the, the phrase that comes to mind, I think I've used this before um, in a message. It's, it's uncompromising generosity. Yeah. And so it's, it's, if there's kind of a brokenness or a mistake. It's not that we condone it. It's not that we encourage it. It's not even that we say, you know what? It's fine. It's not a big deal because that stuff is a big deal, yeah. but it's, it's uncompromising. It's also generous in the sense that we're trying to extend the love and grace and mercy that Jesus extends to us. I know we got a whole lot of roof noise. Yeah, I know right, right now. now it's like thunder so it's up like there, man. Thunder. <laughs> That's right. Hopefully they can't hear any of this, but um, you know, something that came to my mind is, is my wife and I recently had to talk about, um, you know, what do we do when our son who's 10 years old is exposed to illicit sexual content, whether that's in a movie or a TV show. And there's a wide range of what that looks like. It could simply, Mm -hmm. you know, be in innuendos. It could be simple language, or it could be as far as hardcore pornographic material, which we hope he doesn't get exposed to. But the reality is in this world, he's going to be exposed to Mm -hmm. it in some way, in some form. And when he does, and we find out about it, Mm -hmm. or what if we discover that he actually looked for it online um, how do we respond to that? Because that stuff, it makes both Heather and I, and I'm, I'm confident for you guys as your wives, as well as most people watching, that that kind of content not only sickens you because it's disgusting, but also it angers you because you know just how deadly of a poison that is. It is so deadly. And so we're, when our son is exposed to that, the tendency for us might be to get angry and be like, who showed him this stuff? Yeah. Or to get sick and be like, oh man, doesn't that feel gross now? But we don't want to do that because that's just going to push him away. So we're trying to figure out how do we ask him clarifying investigative questions like, well, Judah, when you first saw that, what, what did that feel like? Mm-hmm. Was that surprising to you? Did it make you feel good or make you feel bad? And so turn the conversation so it's a, it's a safe environment for him to be discipled through as opposed to him being shamed in. Because well, that's what I was no, going to say. The oh, shame, yeah. like, I think there's a lot of shame in those conversations. And if anything, I'm learning what m- each of my children feel shame differently. Like mm-hmm. all of my kids have different, I don't know if it's called sh- shame triggers, you know, like they do yeah. certain things. And if I talk a certain way, they feel shame. And so I'm trying to unpack that before I have to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't necessarily have the answers because I'm not having them. Like you're talking about future but I think even now, some of the some of those conversations are preemptive. I mean, the birds and the bees. Can we just bring that up? I mean, talk about the birds and the bees with your kids. Um, if if they're going to learn it in school, they've already learned it from their peers. And if they've learned it from their peers, they've learned a completely tainted, 
unbiblical version of what the birds and the bees is. Mm-hmm. Like they're, it, it's just not good. So we as parents have to be proactive. You're being proactive. You guys are having conversations now. How do we ask questions so it's not bad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're not, and, it, and the other thing is, I think a lot of times as parents, we're, we're angry for them, but we become, we act angry at them. Yeah. And so it shifts, right? You're heartbroken that they've been exposed to that kind of poison. It's not just that kind of stuff. It's, it's all kinds of things, right? It's, um, you know, I I know that we're a little bit, we're talking about stuff that's a little bit out of our depth, partly because we're not trained in parent child counseling and psychology and stuff. And also our kids are still fairly young. They've got a lot of exposure and a lot of life to live yet, but there are tons of resources on this. When you talk about the birds and the bees, um, we've got some booklets that made it easier to have the conversation. Yes. Okay? <laughs> and so if, if I guess if somebody wants, listening to this, wants some of those resources, maybe like put in the comments, hey, where? Yeah. And we can probably direct yeah, them yeah, towards yeah. those resources. But yeah. um, I think if coming off of a VBS weekend yeah. where the emphasis was the spiritual development, mm. relational connectedness of our kids, it's how do we translate that into the practical ways yeah. that we relate to our kids hmm. and those are not always easy uh translations no no uh, because the topics are not always easy so well well so i was going to say this when you say that how do we translate it the first step in translating it is how did our parents talk to us hmm. because we, we tend as adults to talk to our kids the way our parents talk to us yeah and if our parents like like if you're part of a family that maybe you grew up in the church and your parents never talked to you about the birds and the bees you won't talk to your kids yeah. It's just like they've done studies on this. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. So the the difficult but needed conversations that need to happen, it'd be good if you're if you're married, if you're not, just to think, okay, what conversations do I need to have with my kids? And when do I need to have them? It might depend on your kids' maturity, emotional maturity or or where they go to school or whatever, mm-hmm. but I don't think many of us as parents sit down and do that. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, uh, yeah, because it's a hard thing to do. And if our vision really is to build Jesus-centered homes, yeah. we, we tend to think that all that means is that I take my kids to church and get them plugged into yeah. some kind of like a kids group or youth group or something like that. <laughs> when in reality, even though we need to do that, sometimes it's those case-by-case hard conversations. Yeah. It's the reacting in the Jesus-centered way when they mess up, when they screw up, when they make these big mistakes. Um, and that's what over time builds that Jesus-centered home uh, culture. So. Yeah. And I don't think you can plan them though. Like you're not like tomorrow I'm going to have the birds and bees conversation. Like when you do that, it makes it awkward. I think, no, that made it easy for us. Oh, seriously? No, no, no. yeah, yeah. Uh, I put in the James Dobson tape. That's what people did in the 90s, right? (laughs) James Dobson will explain it. Don't put a tape. No, no. No, No, tapes. uh, Anyone watching tapes were before CDs, which were before Spotify. Okay. All right. So. Look at you, antique roadshow here. Um, (laughs) No, I'd I'd say, what easy, maybe it's not easy for you. It was easy for us to plan it. And so what we did is I took Judah out to, uh, to breakfast. And we just had a good time. And then um, um, we just got in my truck and then I read the Birds and the Bees book to him. Um, yeah. And it was, I guess it was awkward, but it was much better than say, you know what? We should probably just talk about that sometime. Mm. We um, should lean into I, the awkward because otherwise we won't have the conversation. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, yeah. It, it's also like, you. I feel like in that instance, like you've probably taken Jude out for breakfast before, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I think a lot of times like in the church, we're like, okay, we're going to take him out for breakfast. We're going to We do never this. do that. We're going to like ramp this up so that it's a one experience. But if you have that relational equity in the sense of like, hey, I'm going to breakfast with dad. 
then the conversation is already less awkward because it's not like, oh no, dad scheduled a business meeting with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's, that can be how it can feel if we're not consistent yeah. in, yeah. in spending time with our kids too. Yeah. Yeah. That could make it very awkward. Uh, very yeah. Awkward. Like, why listen, are we like, going to ice cream for the yeah. fourth time? I know we're week. just scratching the surface on this stuff, yeah. guys. I know it is. And this is probably going to elicit a lot more, hopefully, a lot more conversations that people yeah. have. Yeah. I would say in, in their small group, in their community life group, is a great place to ask some of these questions. Yeah. Yeah. How do we disciple our kids when they yeah. screw up? Yeah. How do we walk them through after they've been exposed to all the different kinds of spiritual poisons yeah. out there? Because and, they will. Oh, yeah. They're going to mess help. up. It's oh, not yeah. going to. That's right. I, I remember um, I got a ticket when I was 16. How dare you? I know. But wow. then I lied to a cop. Mm, that's a smart It was idea. terrible. I use this as a sermon yeah. illustration. Yeah. But I lied to the cop and said that my dad was in a diabetic coma. Oh, my. God. What I didn't know is that they would call my parents. Oh, my. So I had a California Highway Patrol officer <laughs> call my parents I'm one mile from my house. I'm literally can see the exit sign where my house is. He gave me the ticket and he said, son, that's six months in prison for lying to a police officer. And I was like, I'm going to prison. I got home. It was the weirdest thing. They're like, go to your room. They were standing at the door. And I was like, I'm dead. Right. But what's interesting is that broached a whole other conversation. Like, why would you ever do that? You know, I've had conversations with my wife because our boys, our three-year-old and seven-year-old, they lie and it drives us nuts. <laughs> and I always tell her that story because I'm like, I was 16 and I, I, I could have been arrested, right? I literally, like, I don't know why I would have lied about that. It was a dumb thing to lie about. Mm-hmm. And I was speeding, so I was caught. I don't yeah. know. Like, but I look at that situation and I go, hmm. How would I approach that? Because it will happen. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of when. Yeah. The thing is, and Eric, you you kind of alluded to this, but I think we need to prepare for it. Mm. We can't just wait and it just shows up. Yeah. I think that's that's a huge part of it yeah. too. And I think the best thing that we at Brookside can do is 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 encourage the conversations and facilitate the conversations yeah. by giving resources that we have access to yeah. and also uh, encourage small groups, community life groups Ooh, to you know, uh, be a place where these kind of conversations yeah. can happen. So yeah. uh, to me, that feels like a good place to kind of wrap it up. Yeah. Unless you guys yeah. have more. Yeah, let's do it. I just think it was a great uh, VBS weekend yeah. that led to a summer yeah. blast yeah. Sunday. And uh, to, again, all the volunteers that, that really put so much time yeah. and energy into making it a great weekend. Yes, so definitely. we are back on this next Sunday with part three of yep. our Nehemiah series. Yep. And so we will look forward to, to doing that again. Yeah. So thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, for this week's episode of Church Unscripted. Uh, We're glad that you joined us. This conversation took a turn that I wasn't expecting. And so that's the beauty of the unscripted conversation. And so we invite you to join us this Sunday uh, in person or online uh, for part three of Nehemiah um, or uh, come back next Wednesday uh, for Church Unscripted. Again, uh, like the channel or like this video, subscribe to the channel and share it with a friend and we'll see you next week.